All right. <laughs> Found it. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Um, I want to show you a slide. Here it is. Ready? It says this from Philippians chapter 2. Give me the slide, please. You're just having text stuff all over the place. <laughs> Philippians 2, please. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. We started looking at this last week, talking about the, the incredible spiritual impact that God makes in a person's life when they step forward to serve. I've personally come to find and discover, um, not only in myself, but in, in seeing so many other people, that uh, sometimes it seems God moves the greatest in a human being when they take that step forward to embrace this Philippians 2 mindset. And the question that we're running with is, what is it that God is looking to do in you and through you? Today I want to share with you one of my absolute favorite stories in the Bible. I'm going to ask that you follow along with me. If you pull your Bibles out right now, it's Exodus chapter 17. Okay? It's Exodus chapter 17. And what I want to do is I want to give you just a precursor of this extended passage that we're going to read and let you know what it's all about. The story of Exodus is about God raising up this man named Moses and using him as an instrument to bring his entire people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt into this promised land that, that, that he said that he was going to give them as an inheritance that he promised to their forefather Abraham. Now here's where Exodus 16 starts to fit, or 17, excuse me, starts to fit in the mix. If you can kind of trace an Exodus storyline with me, and around Exodus 3, God comes to this man named Moses in a burning bush. And it's at this burning bush that God speaks to Moses and lets him know about this, this quest, this, 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 this endeavor, this, this, this act of sacrifice and service that he has to undergo. Now, Exodus 4 to about Exodus 15 is the entire, like, ten plague of Egypt and the people coming out of Egypt affair. It ends with the people being led through the Red Sea by Moses. You know, you remember how this works. He goes up to the water. He raises his arms. The seas part. And all the Israelites cross through on dry land. It's the last after a series of ten signs and miracles and wonders that God had done. They come out of the Red Sea Exodus 15 is just this, this getting down kind of song where they start cheering and hooping and hollering, God, you're great, and God, you're awesome. And then in chapter 16, they do a 180 and the grumbling begins. All right? And here's how it goes. Now, if you're looking um, just a little bit back at 16, it says manna and quail. They get out in the desert, and they have one of these kinds of moments. Have you ever been here? God has done this incredible act of delivery. They've, they've witnessed these incredible signs and wonders. They get out there. They, they've experienced it. They breathe. And then two people look at each other and go, well, now what do we do? Here they are. They're in the middle of the desert. They've been redeemed, but they're in the middle of the desert. Not a place that too many people want to live. And here they are going, now what do we do? What are we going to eat? I don't see anything growing. 
what are we going to drink? It's a desert. There isn't water anywhere. And the reality of the situation starts to set in with the people. And they begin to grumble and complain and start to wonder, have you been there? Maybe it would have been better to stay in our former position. Maybe it would have been better all around if we didn't shake up things too much, accepted our lot in life, stayed in Egypt. Sure, we were forced into labor. Sure, it was grueling. Sure, we were oppressed. Sure, I guess they did kill some of us when they, when they thought we were getting too big. But, you know, at least we had meat to eat. At least we had food. At least there was water to drink. At least we weren't going to starve to death or die of dehydration out in the wilderness. And they begin to complain. So what does God do? He lays on them another miracle. He lays on another miracle to show how big, how great he is, and to show them that I haven't just dealt with you for a time, but I deal with you for all time. That God is not a God who just does miracles once. God is a God who is there doing the miraculous, sustaining and providing every single day. And now we come to Exodus 17. Here's what I love about the story. See, it's easy to think, isn't it, that the problems that the Israelites had were just with Egypt? They weren't. Israel gets out into the wilderness, and there's all these other nations and all these other people groups that don't want them there. They view them as a threat. They don't want them going through their land. They don't want them taking their supplies and resources, and they want to stomp them out. So the story goes in Exodus 17 that they start coming through the desert, and they come to this place, and there's this people group called the Amalekites. All right? Now, the Amalekites don't want Israel there. So this battle brews up, and it starts to wage, and it starts to rage. And here's how it works. Moses goes up on top of a rock, and from that vantage point, he's able to survey the battle scene. And it says, give me the slide, that as long as his arms are raised, the Israelites are winning. But as soon as his arms begin to drop, the Amalekites begin to win. And what I'd like to do is, is just probe this story with you guys because you're going to see some fascinating application and insight into God's call for each of us to serve. Okay, before I get started, I need Moses. I need someone to come up and be Moses for me today. Now, Moses was 80 when this happened. I prefer someone who's 80 today. But... I'll take anyone. I need someone to come up and be Moses for me uh, for the rest of this message. <laughs> Mark Olson, all right, sir. How old are you? Pardon? How old? 80 years and six months. 80 years and six months, Moses on the dot. I'm almost the oldest. I think you might be almost the oldest in the congregation. Joe beat you? Yeah. All right, Joe, are you here today? Yeah. There's the old man right there. There's Joe. All right, let's give him a hand. <laughs> okay, Marv, this is going to get a little bit brutal. Um, 
But, uh, all right. Did you hear that? He's been married a long time. You gotta take me back to the seat. <laughs> okay, Moses needs a robe, right? I mean, no self-respecting Moses can't be wearing, you know, can't be found without his robe. That would just be embarrassing. So here you go, sir. All right. All right. Where's your sleeve there? There we go. We're going to make this happen. Let me show you. These things are kind of weird how they hook. You see why I don't wear one of these, right? All right. There you go. Okay. All right. Now, that's step one. If you could face the congregation, please. All right? Now, Moses has to have a staff, right? How can you be a self-respecting Moses without a staff? Here's your staff. All right. Now, what does it say? What does it say? That was the worst reading together job I think I've ever heard. How's the rotator cuff? Pardon? How's the rotator cuff, all right? Fine. All right, we need you, Marv, to raise your hands. All right? With staff, though. You need the staff. I mean, that's going to make it worse, right? All right? Now, take a look at Marv here. He's the age of Moses at the time that this is happening with the Amalekites. How long can you hold this position? Have you ever played this game with your kids when you just really feel like tormenting them? It's like, hey, how long can you hold the spoon out kind of thing, you know? You ever have this in boot camp or military, those of you who are there, where you're standing there and, you can, oh, and you're doing the shoulder rolls trying to relieve it? Well, the way this is going to proceed is as long as Marv can hold up his hands, we can continue on. But if Marv's hands start to drop, look out for the Amalekites. All right? Follow with me, please. Exodus 17. <laughs> now the whole Israelite community set out for the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink, so they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. But Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people who were thirsty for water there, uh, but the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt and make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. You remember the story where they struck the Nile? He, he puts a staff into the Nile and the river turns to blood and it was the sign to the Egyptians that God is the superpower on the block. He goes to Moses and he says, take that same staff, do it again, but this time go out and I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. 
strike the rock, and this time instead of blood, water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us not? Now, I want you to think about Moses. This guy is Superman, isn't he? I mean, single-handedly, he comes into Egypt and overturns the superpower of the day. It's like he's got in his cosmic grip signs and wonders and miracles and power. I mean, this is a guy who can turn rivers into blood. This is a guy who can bring plagues of, of frogs and gnats and flies and destruction. This is a guy who, with a word and a wave, can bring darkness over the entire land. This is a guy who, by a very word, from an Egyptian point of view, can orchestrate the death of every firstborn. Imagine a super weapon in your power like that. And I wonder what it was like for the average Israelite, looking at a guy like Moses and asking yourself questions like, what can God ever do with someone like me? I mean, God's got someone like that why does God even need someone like me? Have you been there? Have you ever been in the presence of someone who just seems so gifted, so talented, so just... <sighs> that it's like, you know, it's just better off letting him do it. It's better off letting her do it because God uses someone like that. What can God do with an ordinary person like me? Keep following along. Verse 8. Now it says the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of a hill and with the staff of God in my hands. And you could just see like the gleam in people's eyes. He's taking the staff. It's that Nile staff. It's that rock staff. He's got the staff. We're going to win. It's the staff. Right? How many other times can I say staff? So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur, you might know his son Ben, went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, here we are, read it with me. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Now, in verse 12, it says, When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him. You read ahead. <laughs> when Moses' hands grew tired, he took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. I gotta tell you, if sitting on a stone is your idea of comfort, I want nothing to do with 1500 BC, you know? Aaron and her held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. Don't underestimate the word sunset there. Imagine what it's like to have to stand like this for 10 hours. 
Imagine what it's like to know that every time your hands go like this, people die. This is hand-to-hand -hand warfare with swords. This is not just about advancement in achieving a goal. Human life and suffering weighs in the balance of Moses being able to do this. And if he does this, someone's dad doesn't come home that night. Someone is maimed and faces pain until their dying days. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with a sword. And my question to you this morning is this. Why? Why? Why did Joshua overcome the Amalekite army with a sword? Why, why did they win? Is it because of a guy like Moses and the magic staff that's so powerful and so wonderful and can do it all? It was because of two people who came along and did this. And you could sit. You know, it strikes me that no one will ever put on their resume, I'm good at holding up people's arms. Right? What's your skill set? I can do this. And yet without that, Biblical history would have changed. The Israelites would have been decimated. God's trajectory would have gone a completely different way. The Bible would have been written differently if it wasn't for someone who took the initiative to step up and give help where help was needed. Even if it meant simply going like this. And two men, Aaron and her, two men we never think about, two men we never hear about, are responsible for changing history. And my question to you this morning is what is God looking to do in you and through you? Because I'm here to tell you today there is absolutely no such thing as an insignificant job or task in God's economy. There is no such thing as an insignificant role. A it-doesn't-matter moment. When God lays an opportunity before us to help someone else and serve. I love what Paul has to say about this. Slide, please. In 1 Corinthians 12, he writes this. Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Which of you here, and you don't have to raise your hands, which of you here has ever felt weaker, dispensable, unneeded? What can God do through someone like me? And I wonder, maybe there is arms to be held that are responsible for changing human history. What God says to you is that those of you who think of yourself as weaker, you're indispensable. God needs you. 
because there is something God wants to do in and through you to bless someone else in this world. I think about an 80-year-old man who came forward to let me get a message out and someone who came up to help him and someone else who came around to help him. And what's amazing about this is just how it happened, isn't it? There was a need. There's someone up here, even though it's a prop, kind of going, this was not set up ahead of time. Even though there's someone up here kind of doing this thing, someone just goes, man, that looks like it really stinks. And they go and lend a hand. So many times, don't we, we get obsessed with wondering, what is God calling me to do? When all the while there might be a need right before our eyes. And rather than trying to find out in your life what this grand thing is that God might have for you, simply open your eyes and look. What has God put right before you? What is an opportunity to help someone or bless someone? What is an opportunity to bring God's goodness and grace and mercy into this world? Even if it, in your eyes it appears to be in the most small and insignificant of ways. Because I tell you, if Exodus 17 has anything to teach us, it's that those moments right there, those moments right there are the moments that make all the difference. It's the moments that matter. Whether we see the, the outcropping or not. Now, today after this service and after the next, we're having something really cool out here. It's called the Influence Fair. And what it is, is it's 49 ways to serve through FOF. Now, last week I shared with you, each of you here, each and every one of you has a ministry to the body of Christ and a mission to the world. In those 49 ways, you're going to see, see ways that, that you can bless people right here in this body. You can serve someone who comes in these doors or is connected to this church. Some ways are grand and some ways might seem insignificant like it's just holding up arms. But oh, are they essential and vital. And it's through those roles that God works the greatest. Some of the ways are to bless people in our community, to bless people in our world, both locally and, and globally. Ways to bring God's grace, ways to make a difference. When you came in this morning, you were probably handed a sheet again. It gives you a roadmap of, of, of ministry leaders and, and in areas and ways that you can serve and step forward into going, God, what is it that's right before my eyes? What opportunities are you laying out where I can jump in to bless another human being? Guys, I want to encourage you today not to think of yourself as Moses. to think of yourself as Aaron and to her. Look for those ways where you can simply step forward to bless another. Marv, do you feel blessed by this woman here holding up your hands? Do you feel blessed by this woman holding up your hand? Yes. That was good? Yeah. All right, all right. How about the chair? Was the chair good? Yes. Would, would you like some other blessing as well? Pardon? Is there some other way that someone can help you as well? <laughs> Isn't that the wife that you said you had to put up with for so many years, though? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're out of luck on that one there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
how many ways can you bless someone? Is one person blessing someone enough? Is enough the vocabulary we should even be using? You get the idea? My prayer for you today and my encouragement is simply this. Go be an Aaron. Go be a her. And know that there is no such thing as indispensable, right? No such thing as dispensable. There is no such thing as insignificant. Uh, give Marv a hand with me, all right? And give Mary and Putnam over here a hand for me, all right? Thank you so much, sir. I can take that unless you've kind of like claimed ownership to it and go, no, I kind of like this role. Too heavy, all right, all right. You want to wear that or you want to keep, no, all right, yeah, I wouldn't either. Back to the mothballs it goes. All right, Marv, thank you again. I appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Band, why don't you come on forward? FOF, why don't you pray with me? God, thank you for, for Marv. For, for this man who has who's been a pillar of our congregation and who stepped today to serve and fill a need just because it was laid out before him. Thank you for Mary and for Kent who just took the initiative to come and hold up arms because they saw a need. God, thank you for Moses who you called to do great things but thank you for Aaron and for her without whom the narrative <laughs> well, without whom it would have been impossible. God, I thank you for every single person in this room. And I pray you stir in them today. What is it, God, that you're looking to unleash in them and through them? Give them that yearning. Give them that heart. But more than that, help them to just see opportunities and, 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 and take the initiative to act. It's easy, God, for us to sit on the sidelines, afraid, indecisive, uh, wondering what to even do. Moving us, God, to be people who act, to bless another, to lend a hand, to serve when the need is there. God, I pray you use our church as something that exists for more than just itself, but to bless people in our community and our world. Give us a heart for that, God, and unleash that and help us to stop worrying about the big grand schemes and just, just see the needs before our eyes and have the will to act. God, we pray. Amen. Hey, let's rise, everyone.
Always be my darkest hour. sense it in our lives. May we we feel it. May we see it. 
God, give us eyes to see the ways that we can be a blessing right before us. God, I pray you use each and every person here to impact someone in your body and in this world. Lord, we thank you and we pray. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You can have a seat.